Nats Talk on the Go, the longest-running Washington Nationals podcast going today. This podcast is proudly brought to you by our supporters club, Nats Talk on the Go, Special Ops. Now, here are your hosts, Joe Drugan and Craig McHenry. Joe and Craig, let's do it. Well, hey there, Craig. Let's uh, take two on the beginning of this episode of Nats Talk on the Go. Don't you mean take one in professional land? Oh, yes. This is totally take one. We don't... I, we just started the show on the live stream, and I forgot to hit the record button. So I'm just, I'm just going to be honest. There's no point in not being. So uh, sorry to you, those of you that had to listen to the intro music, but not actually because it's awesome. Thanks, John. You, you grazed it with your finger because Isaac doesn't like to waste tape. Nice. So you, you got the Sports Night reference in, in the stream and then in the recording. That's well done. Two different ones. Two di- that is true. Two different ones. Two totally different ones. Yep. Uh, okay, so uh, we're gonna do a podcast. <laughs> apparently, yay! But, see, we were flowing so well, and I just totally, you know, totally threw myself off by not hitting the record button. I'm off now, so you're gonna have to take over. Wow, that's no good for anyone. <laughs> <laughs> hey, what can I say? I don't know. I uh, not not my finest moment. Not my uh, yeah, so the Nats are playing some baseball, and they're uh, in the middle of a rubber game against the Mets right now. Um, there's been some decent Nats baseball and some amazing Nats baseball since our last recording. Uh, one of the things I think we should hit right off the top, which wasn't really discussed because it was the day after we recorded last time, but Max Scherzer struck out 20 batters in a game. Yeah, that whole thing was something... It's pretty special when you can have any sort of historical baseball event. When you're talking no-hitter, when you're talking perfect game, when you're talking about you know things that players just don't... A four-home run game. Things that players just don't do that much. But a 20-strikeout game is like baseball's unicorn. Yeah. It, it never happens. It is... In, in, in modern baseball, even despite the fact that offense is trending down and blah, 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 but that's just 20 strikeouts, you don't face that many batters. So to, fa- to strike out the vast majority of batters faced, and I think that when it was some people that I was talking to, not you know people, actual baseball people that I know, but uh, other people were just kind of like, when it was happening, like, oh, that's really cool. I'm like, no, no, no. This is just about as big as anything that's ever happened in Nats baseball. Oh, I, I think without question. And there's a lot of, I guess, the more saber-inclined baseball writers uh, that I either follow on Twitter or listen to on podcasts that, you know, no hitters are cool, but from a statistical measure, it's basically just a sample size thing. It's not really that big of a deal. It's like, there are relief pitchers who have thrown no hitters except over 14 starts or 14 appearances. And there are, you know, starters that have gone a no hitter or something like that um, over two or three different starts without it actually being a big deal. So seeing those people talk about and get excited on Twitter or on their podcasts about a 20 strikeout game is so cool. It was so much fun to see. Yeah. Um, just, it was one of those things like, 
there are moments where Twitter is amazing and where baseball is just fantastic. That was absolutely one of those moments where everyone was just living and dying with the next pitch, with the next batter, absolutely. just trying to see if he could get there. And, I mean, he got there. Don't tell me there is no one in their right mind that can tell you with a straight face that they didn't for a second want Anthony Rendon to boot that ball in the ninth so that Scherzer would have a chance at 21. At 21. Yeah, no, no doubt. So it was just, it was, it was spectacular. I know it was, uh, uh, over a week ago, uh, by the time of this recording, but just a really, really cool thing. And we didn't want to let it go unmentioned on our show. Um, so wanted to bring it up and in the context of, I think either the next day or the day after, uh, we tweeted from our official account, which is at Nat's talk on the go on Twitter that Max Scherzer now has at least two of the top five, uh, on field nationals moments in team history, yeah. at least since the French has been in DC. So uh, I've got my list. You've got your list. We got some amazing responses. If you're listening to the live stream and you haven't gotten yours in yet, send them in now because we want to hear them. We want to see them. Um, Joe, what you got? Well, uh, I, I want to hit really quickly about the the historic nature of it before we go on. Go hit okay. hit our lists because you per, watching a perfect game or a no hitter is insane and stressful and incredibly cool. I mean, there's no way around it, but when you also look at the lists of people who have done that, there are some pretty unremarkable names on those lists. The, uh, Dallas Braden. The first one game. that comes to mind. <laughs> Dallas Braden was literally the example that I was going to use. Um, there, you can, there's a lot of luck involved with any sort of historical situation like that. There's no, no doubt about it. Uh, but just the sheer number of no-hitters and even perfect games at this point in baseball... And, and the names on those lists make you go, hmm, interesting. Uh, who was the Giants pitcher that threw one a couple like, a couple years ago? I, I don't even remember who it was. Lincecum has two. Lincecum has two, but there was somebody who was just a, a bizarre name to add to that list that happened like maybe two years ago. But you know, I think you're I, I think you're proving your point. That, this is my I guess yeah. this is exactly my point. But you look at the peop- the five well the four names four. and the five times that. 20 strikeouts has happened in nine innings of a baseball game. Roger Clemens twice, Randy Johnson, Kerry Wood, Max Scherzer. I mean... And Max Scherzer did it in far less pitches. Oh, yeah. He did it in 119 pitches, which is... Which, which, like, there was a... If anyone hasn't yet, I'll tweet it out from the official account uh, later tonight. The Effectively Wild uh, Baseball Perspectives podcast, which I know I've mentioned before, they talked about this game, and they had someone on to kind of put it into historical perspective, um, just how amazing it was, this exact performance. Um, And he said when he saw that it was 20 strikeouts, he was elated, but nothing blew him away more than the fact he did it on, what was it, 96 strikes? 96 strikes on 119 pitches. On 119 pitches. Which is insane. He said that, uh, and that strikeout, that strike percentage for a pitcher that has thrown over 100 pitches is top five in single game all time, all time in like the history of baseball. So we're not just talking a top five strikeout performance. We're talking a top five strike performance. Yeah, which is pretty, 
which is pretty bananas when you think about it. It's when you have a, it's 2016 and baseball has been around for, you know, how long it, it just, it just makes you, when you let the perspective enter your brain, you look at it and you go, this, I really got to watch something special with the way that he carved up those hitters. I mean, it was just, it was just insane. The I mean, atmosphere there's no was really electric. other way to put it. The atmosphere was electric. Oh yeah. He was, he was on fire. And we talked a lot about, you know, Max Scherzer in the last couple podcasts and how he just hadn't had it. And he was missing a spot by six inches here, six inches there. He was nailing those spots. Oh yeah. And, last week. And his stock was on point. His, he was stuck. He was doing the Scherzer stock like in the second inning. Oh yeah. He, you can tell he was just feeling it. And there's, there's one screen cap that I don't remember who, who grabbed it, but I think, uh, it was, it was Alan who I saw it tweeted from. It might've been him where he was, he he was coming off the mound after the like the eight, the seventh inning maybe, and he had this like sideways look at how good I am, Sean Spencer style look. Nice. It was really good, and I was like, oh yeah, this is going to be fun to watch the last six batters or so of the game. You know, it just it just had that kind of feel to it. So yeah, I just wanted to hit that historic point because like. No hitters are incredible, and we saw one live at a baseball game. But I cannot yeah. even begin to imagine what this twenty strikeout game. What the atmosphere was electric. Just yeah. even watching on TV, like I could feel the crowd's energy. And I know you and I both have some friends, and I've my brother was there. Uh, they got to experience that in the park. And from the firsthand account that I heard, it after this, like in the seventh inning, it was just there was nothing comparable to the energy and the excitement in the crowd for that. And I mean, he was at, I want to say 15 strikeouts after seven. And he ended up striking, I think five of the last six batter or the last six outs getting strikeouts, right? Something crazy like that. Like the eighth inning, he was just, he struck out all three and I'm pretty sure he struck out all three looking. Yeah. I mean, it was, oh yeah, I think he did. I think you're right. It was just, yeah. Nailed it. it. Pretty, pretty good. Pretty yeah. good. It was, it was one of the coolest things I've ever been fortunate enough to watch. Yeah. Um, so that being said, uh, where does this rank in your top five and what is your top five moments on field moments in Nat's history? Yeah. I, on field is the key thing. Yeah, no, no, I, I get Oh, well, clarify, clarify what you mean by on-field. I mean game events. Okay, yeah, okay. I mean game events. I'm, ta- I'm not talking like the Nats came to D.C. or yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, Bryce yeah. Harper-Strasburg signs or Ryan Zimmerman extension or Jason Worth. I- the top five like on-field like uh, moments. Gotcha, okay. So I, I struggle with this list because I struggle with – looking at the on-field moments from perspectives of, of when I was there and when I wasn't there. And well, the thing is, it's your list. Yeah. So I had a lot of people asking me that, like, it's your list. Take it however you want. If you want it to be moments you were there, that's fine. It's your prerogative. Yeah. And, and so that's kind of, uh, that's my struggle a little bit. So I'm going with more every perspective of the things that I saw live with my, with my butt in the seat. So, uh, I'm going to go five to one. Okay. Five, I've got 2012 game four. Um, okay. The wow, earthquake number five. Earthquake number five. And again, I'm, I was sitting and watching that in a bar, and it was incredibly cool, but I was not as, there. 
As was I. Actually, I was standing because. Oh yeah, no, I was. <laughs> yeah, I, to be to be clear, I was on my feet. Um, there are so many cool things about Game Four, uh, about 2012 Game Four. You know, not only the earthquake, but you know Jordan Zimmerman's relief appearance and just the all of the strikes out by the, the strikeouts by the relief pitchers at the end of that game, and just there were so many cool things that happened there. But the fact that I wasn't there had to knock it down a notch for me because there were too many other cool things that I've been able lucky enough to see. Yeah. Um, but it's no, it's obviously no discount to that. So on the same note, number four, I've got the 20 strikeout game. Um, I really want to put it higher. It's just the other three I was there for. So it it just, I I felt it when I was there. Uh, number three, the sure is no hitter. Um, yep. That was one of the coolest things. And I got to see it with you, which made it even cooler, obviously. Um, and you know, crying, yeah, uh, there was, the, there was that <laughs> number two, uh, I was there when the nationals clinched the 2012 NL East title and it was the first division championship that the team had since coming to DC. And it was the first division championship that really any DC sport that I cared about had gotten since I moved to DC. And so it was a really long time coming for me. And then I got to be on the field and interview players afterwards. And it was just, for me, it was such a special thing. It was kind of like the culmination of all the work that I had gotten to got to get there and uh, to, you know, be working for the Nats blog at the time and be able to be working with other people that I had appreciated and worked with. It was, it was really a cool thing just for me personally. And then number one was, was Strasmus. Yeah. I mean, that, that. I was there and it was kind of, I got the ticket at the last minute with a coworker of mine at the time. And I really wanted to go, but I really couldn't afford it. And like two days before the prices came down enough that I was like, you know what, let's try it out. And yeah, I mean, it was, I, I remember that actually. Yeah. I remember your internal and external struggle. Yeah. I wanted to go so bad. It's just, I was working on the Hill and making $0 plus commuting like an hour and a half to work each day. And it's just, I couldn't afford it. And it got low enough that I was like, oh, once in a lifetime, let's try it out. And it was... I mean, it paid off in spades, <laughs> obviously. I'll say. I, I've been to a lot of Nationals baseball games since then, uh, playoff games, regular season games. Um, I've never been at a ballpark that's ever been like that before. The closest was the first four or five innings of Game 5, 2012. But, you know, that game didn't end so well. No, so not much. that obviously is called, called, but that's the only similar atmosphere at a ballpark that I've ever been to. That was like that. Even, even the Scherzer no hitter was not there. Yeah. Um, and I know that people will ask questions about why the Jordan Zimmerman no hitter was not on the list. Um, I, I actually only watched the last three outs of that game yeah. live. So I just missed it. And so it wasn't on my list. Yeah. So okay, that's fair. Those are my five. What are yours? Nice. Uh, my five. I'll go uh, five to one as well. Uh, Nats Park open. And for the record, I was only at one of my top five. Nice. Um, Nats Park opening night. Uh, just I remember I was in college. I went to JMU. I was there. I was watching it in uh, my apartment's living room, and I just. I was beside myself. I was like, oh, we're going to lose this game, blah, blah, blah. And I'm pretty sure I yelled and danced around the apartment yeah. after the walk-off. Um, then we got the 20K strikeout game just because, um, I mean, it was it was incredible. It was such a sight to see. I didn't see all of the game. I saw most of the game, but I saw the last half probably. Uh, unbelievable. Uh, game four, 2012, number three, uh, for all the reasons. I was all I, too, was at a bar. I was actually working um, 
nice. for a brewery at the time, and no one was paying attention to me because everyone was watching the TV. And I've never, I've never been in a bar in that situation. Yeah, where you know random strangers are high fiving each other. Like wow. I've, I've had that at the park, and it was amazing. But it was one of these moments where like the community came together and was just gripped and focused. I had the same thing. I was at the bar that I, it was a glory days near my house at the time. And I, was I was at Clyde's Mark center. Nice. I was at the glory days in Burke when, cause that's where I was living at the time. And it was just, you know, it's one of those sports bars where, yeah, there's always sports on, but people are kind of casually watching, right? But not at that point. And that's what made it so unbelievably cool. Mm-hmm. And so I'm sure you had the same kind of experience. Yeah. And I've got, um, you know what? I'm going to switch it around from what I tweeted. Um, yeah, nice. I've got Strasmus 2 now. Nice. Strasmus 2 because this was the moment the Nationals arrived, essentially, in D.C. Yeah. after a long, long time. Yes, I totally uh, in agree. The, in the desert. It was – the whole world was watching, and it was more than anyone ever could have expected. Right. I mean, I think up until recently, it was Strasburg's best pitch game by game score. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was yeah. – I mean – Seven innings, 14 strikeouts. Come on. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Yeah, he had a chance at 20. Got yeah. pulled. Yeah, I mean, smart. <laughs> yeah, and then uh, I'm going, I'm switching it up. I'm putting Max's no-hitter, number one. Yeah. Just because of the confluence of events uh, surrounding it. The fact that it was Father's Day, and that means so much to both you and I. Yes. Uh, his family was in the park. We were both in the park. Uh, we had some of our closest and best friends just all around us, and Getting to see something like that live was just unbelievable. Uh, getting emotional just thinking about it. Oh yeah, no, yeah, you, you yeah. Good thing you were talking. <laughs> yeah. So that's I, I'd say that's probably my personal number one. Yeah. Obviously, we're not going to begrudge anyone for putting anything else number one. No, it, because um, like you said, it's all about your, you know, your list and your. Yeah you know, what it means to you. That's why my list is, is different than yours and anything else. It's it's all what those games mean to you. Right. And Nats Park opening night would probably be pushed out of my baseball top five. I mean, I got to see Randy Johnson throw his 300th win. Oh, I grew yeah. up in Seattle watching Randy Johnson. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I forgot so, that you guys got to go to that. Yeah, getting to see uh, with my mother watching Randy Johnson from the President's Club throw his 300th win. I mean, that was a pretty damn cool experience. So, yeah. Um, but and yeah, I wouldn't I, grudge anyone. No, I wouldn't either. And I, it it was really hard for for me not to put Nats Park opening night on there because I was there. Yeah. Um, and I got to. I had a friend who literally was like, for my birthday, he was like, "Oh, by the way, I got us tickets for opening night at Nats Park." And I was like, "Um, what?" And got to go to it and got to sit sitting in right field and got to like watch Zimmerman's walk off sail over the wall and then go home and watch John Miller's call of it. And I mean, just so many cool things. Uh, but it, you know, with the, the Nats are building a resume of really cool events <laughs> and as yep. such, it's getting harder and harder to put things in a top five list just to think like four or five years ago, we would have struggled to have a top three. Yeah. And now it's like really difficult to, to build a top five. Right. There are, eight, nine, 10 legitimate candidates for oh, the top five. But yeah, it's a, uh, uh, Max Scherzer. He's a treat. He really is. I mean, just look at his start the other night against the Mets. I mean, he was phenomenal and he gave up two home runs and that was the difference. Yeah. Well, he had to face Noah Syndergaard, which was to yeah. his significant disadvantage. Well, even still two solo home runs. Yeah. And that was pretty much the difference of the game. 
Yeah. Like you give up three hits, one of or two of which are solo home runs, and that's the difference. I mean, he's he's amazing and he's like we've discussed at length, he's really almost made up his contract just in terms of amazing memories for Nats fans. No doubt about it. No I that's one of the things and I feel like Jason Worth has hit that as well. Just mm-hmm. so many of the things that he's done over the course of the last since 2011 I'm not going to Well, that. Jason Five Worth years, brought years, relevance but... to the franchise. So when you were talking about the Strasburg it was like the fir- the Strasmus was the first thing that uh, Strasmus was the first thing that put the Nationals on the map. Yes. And then kind of lending itself to Jason Worth being the first big Nationals free agent signing. Right. And we like if you wanted to make a top five off the field moments, the Worth signing would be top three. Oh, it would have. Yeah, it would absolutely have to be like it would. It, you would almost have to make an argument that it would be like Harper Strasburg Worth. Yeah. I mean, I, it, uh, franchise coming to DC. <laughs> well, obviously, I'm just talking about right, acquisitions, yeah. like personnel acquisitions in, in any manner. Obviously, that's on that list too, but it's it, it was a big deal when that happened. And so it's just so interesting to look back now as, as the history of the team gets longer at those kind of moments. It's pretty cool. Right. There's a whole lot of moments. Uh, it seems like more for the Nets just because. Technically, I mean, based on how the franchise has, shall I say, ignored the Expos history yeah, um, outside of a little bit on the Ring of Honor, yeah, um, it's a new franchise for baseball, essentially. Yeah, it was a, so, it was a new franchise from, to the U.S. Yeah, starting from complete scratch, it uh, really kind of lends itself to an interesting story arc, a, a really good narrative. In that um, it essentially came from nothing because the team was nothing when it came. Right. So it's ripe for good storylines. There's no surprise that um, some of the best baseball beat writers of the last eight years have come from D.C. I guess ten years now Yeah, have come from D.C. That's a good point. I mean, Adam Kilgore is widely considered one of the top three beat writers. Actually, he's not a beat writer. Yeah, just baseball writers. I mean, he's a sports writer now, but a baseball writer. Barry Sperluga, same route. Yep. Um, So it's just, there's been a great story to tell with this ball club. And it's just got that unique character that really it was lost in the woods for six years. And then all of a sudden... Uh, an embarrassment of riches, and there's just this, um, I guess, pattern you can connect the dots between this happening led to this happening led to this happening. Smiley Gonzalez leading to Jim Bowden resigning, leading to Mike Rizzo, uh, leading to terrible teams for whatever years, leading to Strasburg and Harper, to Jason Worth, and then so forth and so on. It's just you can almost connect the dots between the Nationals' current success and you know, one or two events from eight, nine, ten years ago. It's yep. really cool. Yeah, it's really it's really awesome. And on that note, with, uh, you know, a huge part of that is the Smiley Gonzalez situation, which led to Mike Rizzo becoming the GM and, and is a huge part of the Nationals standing right now. And uh, Who, oh, by the way, got his option picked up. As, as And that's why I was bringing that up. As yeah. we talked about last week, uh, 
I think it was last week. Was it last week? Yeah, Nat's talk on the go jinx uh, coming back. Yeah, for for all the positive reasons. So yeah, we were like, we just kind of called out the national. Like, come on, come on, learners, do a thing here. Yeah, he, it's he time. deserves it. And then as we were at a at a friend's wedding, we we got the email that that it it came that the uh, option was picked up and that he's going to be around through 2018. So uh, well deserved and. All of those things obviously needed to happen, and I don't think there was really any doubt that it was going to, to be honest, but glad that it actually did and became official. Yep. So, uh, 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 what? The Mets scoreboard doesn't work. <laughs> nice. That's, that's, that's a hell of an ironic thing. Uh, and I, since you mentioned that, I must uh, point out that as we were starting the show, like a couple of minutes into the episode, Beard tweeted us and said the Nats have scored about 29 runs since the show started, to which I can only say, you're welcome. You're welcome. Exactly. Just, you're welcome. We, we, we make good things happen sometimes, I feel We're here like. for you people. That's right. All of you people. Oh, I'm seeing the picture now. It, you are not kidding. It's literally just color bars on the scoreboard. It is almost as bad as the blue screen of death. <laughs> it's really bad. That would have been just a little bit better. But oh. just, oh. That's really funny. Now it's just got the runs, hits, and errors up there. It's literally six digits. That's awesome. Oh, LOL, Mets is back. Oh, God. Well, especially when you look at the scoreboard. It's not any better. Well, you can't really look at the scoreboard if you're there, I guess. Hi-yo. Yeah. So what do you want to talk about next? Uh, Let's talk a little bit about baseball. (laughs) Okay. You want to talk about Trey Turner? Uh, yeah, let's, let's hit the Trey Turner thing. Okay. Um, and before, before we do, I urge everyone to go read at Nationals 101's post on the Nats blog, which is on Facebook. Um, he wrote a piece on Trey Turner. Trey Turner's not the savior, Joe. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, I, it bothers me sometimes. Uh, I love doing the podcast with you, but we agree all the time. We do agree a lot. Like, it's rough. I really want to disagree with you sometimes, but I just don't have my heart in it. Yeah. And I don't want to, I don't want to be that guy where I'm just disagreeing for the sake of disagreeing, but I actually don't agree with what I'm saying. And then I feel pretty, I feel kind of stupid because I can't disagree. Like, I can't, I don't like doing the devil's advocate thing because I just don't right. believe in it. Like, it's not good. Yeah. So anyway, Trey Turner's not the savior. Like, yeah. he's a good, he's going to be a good ball player. He was a phenomenal get for Mike Rizzo um, and the ball club, but he's not going to save the quote unquote Nats problems. The Nationals are in first place, by the way. Yeah. In case you didn't notice. So um, why don't you go ahead? You brought it up. I, I could ramble on, but I've just rambled on for quite some time. So why don't you go ahead and ramble for a minute? Well, I mean, I obviously feel the same way about Turner. I think that he's going to be a, an important piece to the team once he is deemed ready but I think people are over they're over exaggerating the value that his bat is going to have at the beginning uh of the of, of his time with the team and presumably at the top of the order in comparison with the loss of defense that is going to be experienced with Danny Espinosa not there. And I think that's kind of a thing that, you know, it's easy to look at the offensive numbers and go, oh yeah, well Trey Turner's probably going to hit better than Danny Espinosa because Danny Espinosa is on, uh, you know, among the bottom performers in Major League Baseball. So uh, offensively, so it's pretty easy to say, well Turner's probably going to be better than that. He's got a lot of speed. He can hit at the top of the lineup. He makes a lot of contact, and all of those things are probably true. Um, 
or at least will be true fairly soon. But just this fact that, first of all, that the Nationals need this significant help at this point, to me, is weird. Um, because I don't think that they do. I think yeah, that... Yeah, and, and can I just interject yeah. really quick? Uh, all of this has seemed to come to a head in the last couple days when the Nationals just finished back to get back games against two of the world's finest pitchers in Jose Fernandez yeah. and Noah Syndergaard. Yeah. So, yeah. It's, you, you know what? It's hard to hit those guys if you're anybody. Yeah. So that's the thing to me that, you know, I think you, it, it's easy to lose perspective on and say, well, the Nationals have really struggled and their offense isn't all that good, but uh, not really all that true. When you when you look at it, yes, they're they're middle of the road offensively this season. They're they're average. They're an average offensive team by most metrics. They're below average weighted runs created plus. They're middle of the road in terms of uh, wins above replacement. They're just they're an okay team right now offensively. But to abandon somebody like Danny Espinosa, who when you have a guy who's hitting eighth. I don't, I don't understand why there's so much focus on that. Yeah, Ben Revere coming into today Thursday's game was struggling a ridiculous amount, but yes. at, he didn't have spring training, and he needs to come. Well, I guess he did have spring training, but it hurt the first day, and then basically missed a month. So he had to come back and and start to figure it out. Whenever that happens, maybe it's today, maybe it's not today. I don't know, but. Uh, I think there's a lot put on a guy who's an eight hitter who provides a best among the best defensive shortstop position that exists in baseball and Danny Espinosa. And I'm, you know, a bit of an old school NL thought process guy that says, if you've got a shortstop that can't hit, but he's good defensively and he hits eight, who cares? Yeah. And you try to figure out all the other stuff with, you know, Ryan Zimmerman not doing all that, you know, not right. As you mentioned on, I believe it was our last podcast at the time, uh, Ryan Zimmerman's OPS plus was maybe one point higher. It was one point higher than Danny Espinosa's. Yeah. yeah. So it's it makes it difficult to not want to be like, oh yeah, we got to change stuff up now. But we're talking about a team that is in a better division than people expected them to be. Yeah. That is. In How about those Phillies? Yeah, and the Marlins. They're and the all, Marlins, and they're all playing well. The Mets are pl- the Mets and the Nationals are probably over the last 10 games playing the worst of the bunch, but they're still in. Well, that's the top four Braves don't count. Well, that's all. I'm not talking about the rest. Yeah. I'm ta- just talking about those four, the Braves. Yeah. Who, oh, we could talk about that too. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's, that'll be a fun one for a second. Um, but the Nationals stand, it still stands. The Nationals ha- currently their record. I, I don't have it in front of me, but I just read earlier today. I think it was Mark Zuckerman. This is the best start in Nationals history as far as record. They're they're fine. And to, to make a decision to change up a lineup and to bring up a guy who may or may not be ready when you're not in need for that role right now, it doesn't make any sense to me. It doesn't make any – it makes no sense to me at all. I, I cannot wait to watch Trey Turner play. I mean, I cannot wait. He's fast. He'll be a good middle infielder. I, I mean, I can't wait. But why – why the rush? I don't get the rush and their and yeah. The reaction. Yeah, I don't either. Um, it seems like he's just become 
a little bit of a scapegoat uh, for whatever offensive problems the Nationals have had. Um, I think there are bigger candidates to look at in, like you said, Ryan Zimmerman um, for, I guess, the biggest one. Yeah. Uh, Anthony Rendon, another one. Jason Worth's been playing far better. The two-hole seems to suit him once again very, very well. Yeah. So, Despite uh, the fact that it doesn't make sense to me, but it... You know, it's working. So. It, it works. I'm, <laughs> Why I'm not, not going to question it, no. Um, but, yeah, just look at Ryan Zimmerman. Just look at uh, Anthony Rendon. And why aren't you calling those people out? Why aren't you asking for Clint Robinson to play first base? Or yeah. um, Stephen Drew to play third? Yeah, I guess. I don't know. Um, anyway, so it seems like there are bigger fish to fry, and Danny Espinosa is not one of them. Trey Turner will be helpful. He absolutely will be, but... He's not going to make Ryan Zimmerman hit and yeah. Anthony Rendon hit. And you're not that taking either of those guys, guys out of the lineup to bring Trey Turner to the lineup. So what what are you really accomplishing there? I don't know. It, yeah. doesn't, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. To no, me. it doesn't make a whole lot. It's exciting. I mean, oh, I'm I can't wait. Trey Turner, but yeah. I can't wait, but it doesn't, you know, to me it doesn't make sense. I'm not, I'm not anti the idea. I just don't think it's the magic pill that people think it's going to be. That's all, personally. Yep. Uh, and so on that note, you will do a, a mini break-ish here to note. You mentioned that, uh, and we got a question about it, but I want to hit it now, um, about you could, how you could go to facebook.com slash the Nats blog to see the posts for the Nats blog right now. Yes, for uh, unfortunately for a few weeks, our hosting for uh, the Nats blog has been down. Uh, it went down. We were not given any notice from our, our hosting provider uh, it just, we went to it one day and they said, your site's down. Uh, we, we took it down because of X, Y, Z reasons and sorry, but we weren't told. And so we were basically left with no place to host our site with content, a lot of content since the blog was started in 2008, um, w- that we were having trouble migrating to a new location and getting it to work reliably. We tried a lot of things, uh, just no way to make it work. So I promise we are working on getting a site back up and running very soon. Um, We've decided that I am going to, because of my professional background, I'm going to do the server hosting. So hopefully we don't run into this problem again in the future. Uh, But in the meantime, I'm not a database guy. And so I'm kind of trying to learn how to make all of this stuff work the right way uh, for the kind of content and the kind of uh, web traffic that we get to the site. Um, I'm working on it. I'm hoping uh, my goal is to get the site back up on Memorial Day week by Memorial Day weekend to have uh, new posts and some of the more recent posts and to have the archives back up honestly at some point this season. So uh, it's just it was kind of something that couldn't have possibly happened at the worst time. I have a lot of uh, I think it could have happened at a worse time. Uh, not many worse times. <laughs> Playoffs. Playoffs. It could, Stretch drive could have been worse. It's just what, trade you know, deadline. Well, with Will Yoder going and taking a job with, oh, well, with and Instagram in California things, yes. and me having my job the way it is, it's just we don't have the power to get things back up and running as quickly as we might have six months ago or eight months ago. So uh, we're doing our best, we promise, um, and we will get it back up as soon as possible. We'll let you know. But all, we're still writing the same amount of posts, and we're still getting that content up. Our editors, Andrew and Aaron, are doing an awesome job doing that and the writers are all doing a great job continuing to write stuff. Um, so if you go to facebook.com slash the Nats blog, 
all of this stuff is there and we'll eventually get that moved over to the main site. So thank you guys for being patient. We promise we'll get the site back up as soon as humanly possible. Fantastic job making that in layman's terms. <laughs> yeah. I, I still glazed over. <laughs> yeah. But I understood a lot more of it than I thought I would. Nice. Yeah. Right. So we've been asked by a lot of people and, you know, we just, we feel terrible about the situation and the, the set of circumstances. Just, there's really nothing we can do about it right now. We're yeah. doing our, we're doing our best with our, with our lives, uh, with everything else going on in our lives. But in the meantime, www.natstalkonthego is up and running. It is. Uh, and you should go and sign up for Special Ops, our supporters group, and buy a t-shirt. Uh, I think might, now might actually be a really nice time to uh, tweet that in-play runs again. Oh, yeah, that's true. They, they, they've had a bit of that in today's baseball matchup. Which I need to buy. I really need to get one. I know. I don't have one either. I should do that. Yeah. yeah consider- it's available in all colors, Joe. Con- considering you made it, you should, you should purchase your product. That's right. Yeah, it's good. Uh, okay, so that's that. That's our little digression, but I wanted to make sure I pointed it out and didn't just throw it to the end of the show because I know it's a big deal and I know people are not super happy about it because they like our content, which we really appreciate. It's just, you know, we there, there are only so many hours in a day, unfortunately. So um, let's talk about the state of Bryce Harper. I feel like we should talk about the state of Bryce Harper and and – what his season's going to look like. I know we got a couple questions about it, so we might hit on that a little bit. But Bryce Harper is hitting a thing at his age that, you know, Barry Bonds didn't hit until his mid to late 30s. Yeah, uh, his juiced up 30s. Yes, exactly. Um, Bryce Harper is just getting walked all day, every day. and And he's just not getting pitched to. And it's just a matter of, we're going to see some kind of decision-making process between Harper and the people he's he's ha- facing about how is he going to get his offense back. It's rough, and you saw him pressing a little bit the other night against Noah Syndergaard. Uh, he was actually getting pitches in the strike zone, and he didn't know what to do because he's not used to seeing pitches to hit. He's right. not seeing major league pitching, so... It's really hard to turn on, and that's something it looks like he's really going to have to adjust to at this point in his career, which, yes, it is insane, but that looks to be what he's faced with. I mean, when you know, he's to pitched be clear, to— this, this point of his career is his age 23 season, so— Oh, my that's, God. <laughs> just to want to be totally clear about that. Um, yeah, and he's getting walked eternally. He's yeah. just constantly, constantly walking. And correct me if I'm wrong, I— don't think his OPS is as high as, or excuse me, his on-base percentage is as high as it was last year already. Like, uh, even with all the walks? Yeah, his, his on-base percentage for the entire 2015 season is, was higher than, than his on-base percentage is right now. Isn't that's that ins- hilarious? That's insane. I did not know that. That is, yep. in, that is crazy. Yup. So anyway, uh, it's t- I, I, I can't imagine how tough it is to... Uh, see nothing but balls and pitching around you for two and a half, three games in a row, and then all of a sudden you have one at bat where it's like, okay, we're actually going to pitch to you, and then you're like, oh, oh, I'm so excited. You're like, he's been like, he was like a little puppy against Noah Syndergaard. Yeah, because he knew Syndergaard was going to pitch him, and I was on uh, a podcast, an SNY podcast, uh, 
this week talking about the upcoming series. And uh, the host asked me, uh, Matt asked me, he was like, so what do you think about the matchups coming up? Is Bryce Harper going to get challenged? I was like, well, I don't know about on Wednesday when Bartolo Colon is pitching, but I was like, you know, Syndergaard and Harvey are going to try. You know, like those guys are not going to back down to a fight. And so it was, that to me was going to be the most interesting thing back against real, you know, real pitching that these guys are at the top of their game. And uh, Harper, he's just, he's just a little slow. And it's because he's not swinging the battle that much. And he's going to have to, and I, I mean, I'm certainly not an expert. And he knows more about hitting in his pinky than I would ever know in my entire lifetime's a million. But uh, he's going to have to adjust. He's All last season, he didn't take batting practice out on the field. And whatever, he just kind of got into his zone. And, you know, maybe he... He does need to hit more. Maybe he needs to hit less, but he's going to have to start making adjustments. And uh, got, having a guy like Dusty Baker, and uh, who knows a bit about hitting, and Rick Shu, who was there when Harper was in Harper form last year, uh, you got to figure those guys are going to help get him on board. Uh, yeah, and, he, and back to back to form. But right now, he he just it's hard to look around unless he's walking. He looks pretty lost. Yeah, and it's it's tough to see. It is, and you wonder if he's really going to get pitched to that much because he hasn't been, and um, the people around him haven't really shown a proclivity to make him pay. I mean, obviously yep. the last two games notwithstanding where the offense has really just blown him away. Yep. Yeah, I mean, totally. I mean, the the offense has been there, but you have to be there for a period of time, and even still, even if – you know, Murphy continues going and Zimmerman gets hot. Brendon gets going. Jason Worth keeps hitting well, hitting second. It, even if all those guys are hitting well, I don't know if you have a lot of incentive to give Harper a 95-mile-an-hour fastball not on the black. I don't, I mean, uh, or or a little outside of the black, unless you're making a mistake. Yeah. Um, so I don't even know that if they start hitting well, the incentive is there to, to pitch to them. They've... Walking him has clearly gotten to him. So why would pitchers not change? Why would pitchers change that? Yeah, and I know um, in the game against Syndergaard, there were some extenuating circumstances. Um, Bryce Harper has shown over the last year and a half his eye is amazing. It's really good. Yeah, like he has a better eye than a lot of the umpires, and he, I believe, was three zero up in the count and ended up striking out. Because strike one, I mean, I've talked at length and ad nauseum about how ridiculous the strike zone gets on 3-0. and Yeah. And there was a ball four that was called strike one. And because of that, Harper had to protect and, you know, oh, this is going to be the strike zone now. And then strike two happens and then you got to end up anything close. And so those kind of things, that happened in Monday, Monday night's game. Tuesday, Tuesday's Tuesdays, game. Monday was an off yeah. day. Tuesday night's game. I forget it's Thursday now. Yeah. Um, in Tuesday night's game, where there were a couple moments where strike one was a bad call and it really changed an entire at bat, and that happened with Harper. So you're seeing once again umpires really just coming into play where they really shouldn't. Yeah, and it. I feel like we started the robot umps thing before being, you know. Kind of jokingly, but also kind of like these guys are pretty bad. But, man, it's... I don't know if it's getting worse or if I'm getting more sensitive to it. 
I don't know which one is true, but the umpiring has been... I came into this year, and I, like, I made a public thing. I'm going to give umpires the benefit of the doubt. And I feel like I have. I haven't made any big things. But there are just some situations where, like, come on. Like, we really need to... We really need to figure a thing out here. Yeah, I just need a minute right now. Why? Steven Strasburg just reared back against Jonas Hespedes through 97 gas oh. out of the strike zone. That's pretty good. Then came back. Oh, I just saw it. The curveball? With an 81-mile-an-hour hook that, Stras- uh, that Jonas Cespedes pulled a Lastings Millage Oh, my God. Bailed. Because I was going to say that's totally what Lastings Millage did. He just bailed, and it just came right back in. Uh, that is disgusting. That was really good. That hook is on tonight. Yeah, that's really good. That immediately, I was like, it was just like Lastings Millage in the in the Stra- in the in the uh, Strasmus debut. Oh, yeah, man, that's good. That's really good. Uh, yeah, that's fair. Yeah, I'm I'm quite a bit behind you today. I'm streaming too many things, including this podcast. Uh. So, what were you saying before that? Uh, I don't remember. Okay, I got really excited. So. I, I saw that. I saw that. We we went off the rails. It happens. Uh, it does happen. But long story short, I you know I'm not worried about Bri- the trajectory of Bryce Harper's career, but by any stretch of the imagination. But these things are going to happen with him as he adjustments starts- on adjustments. That's all baseball is. That's how you prove yourself. That's how you prove your worth as a player. Is you adjust the adjustments made against you that you initially adjusted on their initial adjustments. It's the only way that you can be Barry Bonds or Clayton Kershaw or, you know, it's both because it works both ways. Yes. Yeah. Pitchers have to make the adjustments too. If hitters figure out real quickly if the, first, if the first pitch you throw in every game is a fastball, see Max Scherzer against Curtis Granderson, that first pitch home run on, on Tuesday's game. You it's know, the battle. It's, it's the battle. It's the game within the game. Exactly. The storm clouds are gathering. Nice. Nice. You're just dropping all of the Sorkin right now. It's good. Yep. Not even. Yep. Very good. Uh, Any other things on Harper or any other things that we haven't talked about before? uh, I say one more thing and then questions. I love baseball, man. I really do. I'm so glad it's here. Like. For a little uh, while longer. I don't, I don't know if you've watched much MLB TV this year. Um, I've been watching Vin Scully whenever I can. Me too. I've been. I have been immediately. This if the Dodgers are at home, as soon as the Nats game ends, I turn on the Dodgers game. Yeah, every uh, single every night. I think he's been even better. Like yeah. I don't. I obviously I don't know if he is just because I'm so sad that he's leaving. Yeah. But it seems like he's just taken it to another level, and that everything he does just is just amazing and i'm sure it's rose colored glasses or whatever it is yeah but it seems his, like his stories have been on point though his stories have been they always are but uh you know i guess i'm trying to think of what i'm trying to exactly say in terms of his stories have been relevant and yeah. topical and they've been modern stories yeah yeah not yeah, just he's still all dropping gold stuff. but and he's dropping the thing that's so cool is he is dropping the old school stuff um, and he's still bringing up all the old school stuff. Uh, it, he's been covering like his history of covering the Dodgers and like cool events. And like he told a story on D- Jackie Robinson Day that got me all all choked up because he knew Jackie Robinson. <laughs> this yeah. Is, this isn't like a oh this is a story he heard through a person. Like he 
it was at the beginning of his career calling Dodgers games when Jackie Robinson was making his debut. So uh, just those kinds of things were just really cool, and he's just he's just such a special person. It's it's a it's really disappointing to, that he's retired. I mean, I get it, but yeah, I mean, he's like a billion and a half years old. But it, nobody's ever going to be like that again. No, it's amazing. It's yeah, it's, I've I, I've been I've been trying to watch that on MLB. Uh, whenever possible. Yeah, me too. I've been, I really have been watching, I, you know, every time they're in town, a game or two, a couple games a week, a few games a week, at least a few first few innings, just to, just to hear the dulcet tones of, yeah, just to, you know, let him just tuck you in. Exactly. Exactly. Usually that's when I'm like coming down from the Nats game. He just give you a little kiss on the cheek. (laughs) Tell you everything's going to be okay. Exactly. And you just want to, as you turn off TV, you want to go, thanks grandpa. You know, it's like, it's so good. It's like the smartest grandfather you've ever had. Yep. Uh, who can really spin a story that you want to hear? Uh, yeah, good, good use of that. That's yes, that's a that's a good way to end it. And speaking of MLB TV, today the Nationals and Mets game uh, is being covered by MLB Plus on MLB TV. So if you don't know what MLB Plus is, uh, it is the sabermetric broadcast. I think they're doing one a day. And they pick a game, and there's a there's basically an alternate broadcast of the game, and they take a video feed, and it's just sabermetric guys talking about the game and a, you know, the sabermetric side of the game, and it doesn't really always the camera doesn't always really follow where the ball goes necessarily. It's more about talking about things go around and looking at the you know the fringes and the math part of the game. And as you all may know, Craig and I are big stats people. Um, I've got to tell you, I started to watch the Nats-Mets game on that. I've never been so bored in my life. <laughs> it was really yeah. bad. I mean, really bad. Uh, so sad. I think there's a right way to do it. It's approach. It's. I mean, it doesn't have to be scary. It doesn't have to be, oh, I don't like math. I'm not good at math. I obviously am not going to dig on sabermetrics. Yeah, no, I think it's it's a thing that could help you. Uh, you know, it, and I feel like it did for me, and it's how I got into it. It helped me understand the game better. Helped me understand like why some guys appeared to be so good but actually weren't good, or vice versa, and why you know it, it helped me understand the game so much more. But just the way that there's a there's a way that you could do it that isn't is human. And MLB Plus is to me when I've heard it is not that way. It's just not a way that makes it human. Uh, I think it just starts with kind of talking about throwing up on the Chiron when a guy comes up to bat of like what his war is or what to, what his weighted runs created plus is. And every once in a while, remind the listener what that means and how it's valuable. It doesn't have to be like constant dryness with no color commentary yeah. and no like it's yeah. Hey, this is OPS plus. This is how he compares to every other player in baseball. And it actually adjusts to era and park factory. That's it. Yeah, exactly. Like this is how he compares based on what that season was like, where he played. See, even, even something as simple as yeah, this per, this pitcher is is seems to be giving up a lot of hits. But that said, his BABIP is higher. BABIP means he's blah blah blah. He's gotten a little unlucky. We expect that to come down based on his career average and strikeout rate and his FIP, which means this. Like I don't know. I feel like takes two and a half seconds. It's not that complicated, and I feel like you you could work it in with the more traditional on-base percentage, batting average, walks, strikeouts, numbers, 
uh, and not make it so like, I don't know, so dry and boring. I don't know. Like, I feel like it's doing a disservice to what it could be, uh, with just having a podcast that or having a, a stream that shows numbers and that talks about numbers and nothing else. There's something else to the game besides numbers, even though I'm a huge numbers person. So yep. I just wanted to make that mini rant before we moved on to questions, unless you have anything else. I'm good. Okie doke. Let's do questions. Questions, questions. Uh, so yeah, uh, Joe Eisenman, who listens to the show, uh, said he's a, he's a week behind on listening, and we kind of alluded to it earlier. So he gets to things like Nats talk on the go, demanding Nats extend Rizzo five minutes before they actually announce it. You know, we we just summon things like that when we can. Uh, Dwayne asks, uh, at Dwayne underscore Stewart asks, if uh, starting rotation continues on same productivity path, what does that mean for Giolito, who would be the odd man out? It's a cool well, question. Right now, he is the odd man out. Exactly. So exactly. I think that's the change. point. I think. Okay. I think that's the point. He's. He's. He's asking if they continue being so good. What does it mean for kind of what what we think was going to be his call up time, and then when he does get called up, who would be the odd man out? Maybe is the is the second question. I guess. I mean, I've said he's going to be the first guy up after injury. Yeah. So I mean, that really doesn't change because. Injuries can't be predicted, and if you can predict injuries, why are you not working for a baseball team making billions of dollars? Exactly, and it's part of the reason that the Nats hired their their new medical staff is because their whole thing is trying to prevent and predict. So, uh, it's there's a whole science behind it, and they're trying to make it happen. But uh, I cert I think the only thing keeping Giolito, I think you're right. I, maybe not the only thing, but the main thing is health, and people are producing. There's no. There's no reason to to rush a guy who you want to keep under club control as long as humanly possible uh, because he's going to be a key piece to a rotation that, that includes, for a long time now, includes Scherzer and Steven Strasburg. All of a sudden, you know that for a significant period of time into the future, you're going to have three number one style caliber pitchers in your rotation. Uh, and that's pretty awesome. There's not a lot of teams that can say that now with the Strasburg extension, the Nationals can. So no reason to rush it, especially without needing it. But uh, I almost feel like even even in case of injury, I don't know if Giolito is the guy that comes up right now. Yeah. Um, yeah I'm, I'm not sure. I'm not I'm, sure. I, he wouldn't yet, I don't think. Um, there are plenty of options there. But I think with the way the season's gone for the Nets, he doesn't need to. I mean, there's no, like you said, no reason to rush him. Yep. And he honestly, he hasn't been at Double A very long. He he jumped up. He's only had what fifty plus sixty seventy innings at Double A so far yep. in his career, uh, and he hasn't dominated. Well, and that's the thing. I think that's the thing to me that makes a big difference is. He came into this year, he's pitched well, but he's not been dominant as he's been in previous years. So I think it's okay that he gets a little extra time. Right. It's, I mean, double A is the hardest level. Uh, and that's the biggest jump that uh, high A to double A is the largest jump in baseball Definitely. outside, excuse me, in the minor leagues. Yeah. Well, the jump to the majors is obviously the right, jump. Right, right. Yeah. Um, but he hasn't dominated. I'm not sure whether it's a fact that he's tinkering with his motion or... Uh, whether he's bored, 
Or working on another pitch. Or, or working on something, you know. Yeah. It, it could be anything like that, but he hasn't shown at AA that he is ready to come up and be a top three pitcher in the Nats, or, in the Nats rotation. And right now they don't need it. Gio Gonzalez, no one's talking about it. But dude is having a lights-out season. He's having a ridiculously good year. If he's, he keeps it up, he should be in the top five Cy Young conversation. Yeah, he's, like, he's back good. in 2012 form good. Like, that good. Yes, I, I completely agree with that. And it's, it's I, I will say again, it, that was my main prediction uh, coming into nice. this year. My main bold prediction, because I just want everybody to remember that. Dude, we both are rocking the bold predictions. Right I know, now. we're knock on wood. We're doing yeah. real well. Doing really well. Doing real good now. We're doing real good. Uh, But if you look at... I'm just going to pull up the numbers real quick right now. Gio Gonzalez is uh, tied for 11th in NL wins above replacement with John Lackey, Jeff Samarja, and Drew Pomeranz, which is a fun story. That's fun. Yeah, Drew Pomeranz is having a good year, which is a long time coming. Uh, But earned run average, number one, Jake Arrieta. And then National League, number one, Jake Arrieta, number two, Clayton Kershaw, number three, Jason Hamble, number four, Gio Gonzalez. So he's pitching really well, (laughs) just to understatement of understatements. Now, his his BABIP is low, uh, but his ground ball rate, right about where it should be, uh, his strikeout rate's a little low, his walk rate's dropped. He's a different kind of pitcher, and so I think that you can look at the lower BABIP and say, eh. It's okay. I think that it's sustainable for a period of time for Gio Gonzalez to put up these numbers five or six innings a start. And I think that's all the Nationals want from him. I don't think they want any more than that. They're not looking for him to be the eight or nine inning guy. He's never been that, and they don't expect him to be. Uh, but if he can keep doing what he's doing, it'll be pretty cool. Yes. Yeah, no. There's no way that, that Lucas Giolito, as good as he should eventually be, fits into this rotation right now. There's not there's not a, pit, a pitcher in the Nationals rotation that's not better than him at the Major League level right now. And that is a good thing. Oh, it's very good. You have guys that are doing... The longer you wait to have Giolito come up, the longer you have him. So <laughs> to wait as long as possible. There's no yeah. reason not to. So next question. Uh, Jude asks, uh, will the Buffalo become a free agent or will we see another early extension? I think this is a very good question. I think so, too, especially that he's come back and ha- he's had a couple of healthy years and he's had a good year this year. He's having a great year. LASIK surgery has taken to him very, very well. I think the Nationals will honestly probably try, if if he keeps this up for the next two months, I think the Nationals w- should do everything in their power to keep him. Yeah, and which because, is crazy. <laughs> because, yeah, which is this is not, not what we were talking about this winter. Yeah, when we were like, please trade for Jonathan Lucroy. Yeah, exactly. Um, but good catching is so hard to find. Yeah. It's so hard to find. And just watching on TV, you can tell that he's gotten to be a better receiver. I'm yeah. not sure whether that's part of the LASIK surgery. Uh, I can't tell you how many times over the last you know, four years I've complained about him not being able to catch the ball on a play at the plate. He's been doing that. That's the thing that's so crazy. He just did it today. A throw from Harper from, from right field that, that came in and had a bounce like two feet in front of the plate. He smothered it. I mean, yeah. he, uh, you wonder how much of a difference that LASIK surgery situation made it, but, uh, so right. you're seeing, you're seeing a better batting eye. Oh yeah. You're seeing better hitting He's taking pitches. 
You're seeing better hitting. You're seeing better catching. Well, so this is a different Wilson Ramos. So I think uh, with the lack of catching, uh, good, actually even mediocre catching available. Yeah, there's not even at many the good major league level. Catching, yeah, I think the Nationals it would be in their best interest to try and sign Wilson Ramos. It's not honestly going to take that much money because catching is still. Not a high-ticket item, although it should be. Unless you're Buster Posey, you're not going to make much money. Right. Yeah. Which just, is insane yeah. because the value of a good catcher is incalcul- incalculable. Incalculable? Uh, yeah, that's right. Let's go uh, uh, without delving into some pretty serious numbers in terms of pitch framing and yeah, right, all that right. kind of thing. But uh Wilson Ramos has proven himself as a very valuable commodity to the Nationals this season. I think it's definitely in their best interest. So, I hope they will. I'm not sure they will, but I think Mike Rizzo is a lot smarter than people sometimes give him credit for. So, Yeah, oh, I I would agree with that as well. I so, I I I'd like to think so. I'm I mean, hopeful. the Strasburg deal came out of nowhere. Yeah, I'm hopeful that there is a Wilson Ramos deal out there. I'm not sure it'll happen because, I mean, it would be just me guessing, but I think it would be a smart move for the organization and for Ramos. Yeah, I think so too. I think so too. Uh, he's his entire major league career has been in DC, so you, you you'd think that, uh, the, and the way he knows the pitching staff now and is starting to get better, like you said, incentive all the way around. Uh, so a, a couple of tweets from Frank Nationals 101. Uh, number one, Trey favorited my uh, blog post on Twitter. Will he block me? Yes. I agree. <laughs> oh, and the rest of them are just comments, so I'm going to move on. Uh, Stephanie, Stephanie Kays on Twitter asks, what happens first, uh, Trey gets called up or Trey blocks Frank? Trey blocks Frank. I don't think there's any doubt in my mind about that one. Agreed. Yeah. Uh, the Dan asks, in a recent interview... Uh, Rizzo said Revere needs to get past spring training mode. Is that is it that simple? Uh, what do you think? Well, that's kind of a, I guess, open-ended. It's very vague. Yeah. Um, he needs to get his timing back. And whether you want to call that quote-unquote spring training, yeah. you know, he just needs his timing back. Yeah, he needs his timing back. He had a month off. It's basically like he's coming in fresh. It's like, but it's like anybody who has an extended DL trip during uh, during a major league season. So it's kind of what it is, considering he played what like three or four innings on opening day, and that was it until yep. until a week or two ago. So uh, I think I, I think it is that simple to an extent. You have to get timing back. You have to have time watching real major league pitching, and nothing can prepare you for that other than standing in a box and facing major league pitching. Um, now, some facing minor league junk could help for for sure, uh, but I don't think that was even in the conversation with someone like like a uh, like Revere. He was not going to go to the minor leagues and no. hang out down there. That just not doesn't make any sense. Fang wants to know if we have pets. Which so this question is to you. What's up? Because you've got the McKenzie Zoo. Yes, right. Uh, which national does the pet does the pet most resemble? Um, I'm going to go ahead and say the dog, Nutmeg, would be, who's the craziest Nat? Uh, John, Sean Kelly? Jonathan Papelbon. <laughs> no, he's not a dick. No, okay, yeah, no, he's not a dick, definitely not. Uh, maybe Sean Kelly. Yeah, I that's a good my, one. 
I think my dog would wear a horse Ol- head. Ollie Perez. Um, yeah, maybe. A little, little crazy. Um, I'd say Nutmeg would probably be, or not Nutmeg, I'm sorry, I was Gus. Say, you just said Nutmeg. Yeah. Gus the Bird would probably be, Tyler Moore would have been perfect for Gus Bird. <laughs> just because. Be good to your mama. Yep. Hey, pay attention to me. Hey, I'm kind of cool. Um, Nats really don't have anyone like that. Yeah, right no, now. They don't. Not not really anymore. Clint Robinson, maybe. Yeah, maybe Clint Robinson. Yeah. He seems he's got that little Southern charm to he's, him. He's a, he he doesn't know he hits walk off home runs. It's a that's right. Bit, it's pretty. Yeah, that was that was just delightful. So good. So yeah, that's the Gus Bird. Yeah, but that's that's funny. Nutty's definitely a reliever because he's got that goofy goofiness. Yes. All right. Uh, the Dan has a couple of questions. Uh, a couple more questions, I should say. If Revere has another cold week, who's batting leadoff? My answer, Ben Revere. Ben Revere! Yeah, nothing's going to change there, I don't think. Nope. Uh, will the Harper Walkathon go all year? We kind of alluded to it, but I say yes. Yes. It's, nothing's going to change there either. Uh, I, think, I think the Nationals will actually get a lot more benefit from it. Then they'll lose. I think so, too. It's just going to be to the frustration of Bryce Harper. Yes. Yeah, for sure. Uh, final question from the Dan. Uh, will, the, uh, will the Phillies fade soon? And that, to me, is a tough question. Um, it, and it depends on what you mean by fade. I don't think they're going to be in second place in the National League East. No, but they're definitely a third-place team now. I think they're a third-place team, and which is crazy, because I think both of us put them five coming in yeah, this year. Yeah, it's entirely possible. I mean, it, it was the safe thing to do. Their pitching came sooner than expected, and it's good. It's, yeah, the Phillies are actually reminding me a lot of the Nationals in 2012. Yeah, I completely agree with that. Just like Just, I, I said the same thing about the Mets last year. Like, everything came a, a little earlier than people expected. And everyone expected. Like, the, the NL East was supposed to be the Nats, the Mets, and a dumpster fire. It was supposed and, to be another crap year in the division, yeah. Well, yeah, it was going to be more than... It was going to be, like, one of the worst divisions in baseball in the last, you know, decade. Exactly. It was going to be terrible. It was going to be an embarrassment. The Phillies and Braves were both expected to lose 100 games, you yeah. know? It wouldn't have surprised anyone if that happened. Not at all. And now we're looking at, you know... The Phillies are going to maybe go 500. Yeah, which that that's like 2011 Nats. It's like, oh, so they're they're almost there. You know, yeah. they're they're getting there. It's a matter of if the offense can keep doing something cuz their pitching seems to be there. Uh it's just can the offense keep, you know, exceeding expectations for a little while while they wait on a few more people, but you know, I don't think there's any reason that that there that we shouldn't believe that. So will they fade? From- I think they're they're going to fade relative to the cream of the crop in the NL East, in the Nats and the Mets, but they are going to soar way above any projection. Yeah, they're not going to fade to projected levels, right? And so, they're, I yeah, think they're they're not going to go on a you know 110 loss pace for the rest of the season, yeah, even a 95 loss pace. Yeah. they're not they're not going to be there. I, I I really believe that they're better than anybody expected. Uh, it's, so, it's, it's good for the Nets. It's very good for the Nets. Very good for the Nets. Yeah. To have, they're, they're playing better talent throughout the course of the year. And that's, that can't be bad for any, for anybody on the team. They're, they've got less off series as it were. Yeah. Uh, uh, real quick before we take the next question, do you want to touch on Freddie a little bit? Yeah. Let's, let's hit that real quick. 
Go ahead. Uh, okay. Uh, uh, Freddie Gonzalez got fired by the Braves this week. Um, and in the most Braves thing ever. Yeah, it's really bad. Uh, he found out via email from an airline yeah, company. Yeah, from Delta. <laughs> yeah, which... Uh, yeah, that that is so inexcusable. Yeah, let, let me just let me just say what happened. Yeah, go ahead. For anyone that doesn't actually know, yeah, um, Freddie Gonzalez, obviously uh, manager of the horrible, horrible Atlanta Braves, or excuse me, Cobb County Braves. <laughs> nice. Um, he got an email. I think it was Monday night. Yeah, maybe. It been. I think it was Monday night. Maybe Tuesday night. Uh, saying, you have a flight for tomorrow. It was Monday night. Uh, flight for Tuesday afternoon back to Atlanta while he was managing the team, I want to say, in Florida yeah. oh, in a series that went through Thursday. Yeah. The team so, was not leaving on Tuesday. <laughs> no, no. Yeah. No, the series ran through Thursday, and uh, he needed to be back in Atlanta. So he ended up having to call the owner and the GM and basically say, what the hell? Yeah. What is this? Uh, are you firing me? And then was essentially fired on the phone because he got a plane reservation. <laughs> yeah. It's really bad. It's it's not funny because a man lost his job. And really, he should not have lost his job because what did they expect? Like, if, if he was losing his job over this rough start with the people that they were putting on the field, why was he not fired in January? Right. Or December? I I don't don't understand. It's it's funny because the way it went down is so dysfunctional. It's so bad. It's it's not good. And it's sad that he lost his job. But, you know, he, like you said, he should have been fired either off-season or at the end of this season. Because, uh, I mean, if you don't trust him to manage this team of nobodies and call up your prospects in a month and a half, why would you have him start the season in the first place? Yeah, I, do, I don't understand. Like, it's so illogical. It's like it's like they expected him to be have more than, like, 10 wins right now with the, with the team that he's put on. And, yes, they've been bad, but what do you get by firing him right now? You get You get net nothing, except for the fact that you fired a guy – that had clubhouse buy-in. It doesn't. It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah, it's really weird. Yeah. So, uh, I don't think they fired a permanent or hired a permanent manager. No. Fired. Nice. Well, yeah, said, well it's just inevitable. Yeah. <laughs> At this point, yeah, it's pretty bad. Uh, yeah. Thanks for bringing that up. I forgot to make a note, so I forgot to mention it. I got you, buddy. Uh, so we got two more questions left. One that you're going to take, and one that I'm going to take. So why don't you take yours? Do you have yours there? No, I don't know what the question is. About another show, possibly. Maybe there was another show that we were getting a hard time on Twitter about, and I said that you're going to take the question. Oh, 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 oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, live show, live show with uh, our auction winners, uh, Fang and the Nata Dude. Uh, it's coming. Yeah. It's... Um, life has slowed down for uh, one of the co-hosts in the last couple days, so. Hopefully we can get something on the calendar soon. Here's hoping. Yep. It's um, definitely something I want to do. But it'll be there. We haven't forgotten about you. Yes. Uh, thank you to, for keeping us in check, Steph. Much yes. appreciated. We need it sometimes because we're spastic. And yes, and we get excited about baseball and forget about literally everything else. That's factually accurate. Uh, and then to end the 
end the questions for this week. It, we will end with Beard, uh, who thinks that the question was, this question was asked last time, but uh, never listened. So shame. Uh, and I don't think we answered it. Uh, so uh, who is your favorite non-Nat? Um, this is a loaded question, I guess. Yeah, it's pretty tough. Um, because there's many ways you can take it. You can take it as who is must see TV. Yeah. Who do you have an MLB alert set up as, you know, when they're hitting or pitching that you have to tune in, um, or who is just a joy to watch. And so yeah. I choose to take it that way, that last way. Um, I'd say my favorite player, uh, and truly encompasses make baseball fun again. Oh God, would, you're going to take my person. It's going to be Jose Fernandez. Oh, you are an asshole. <laughs> that is exactly who I was going to say. It's Jose Fernandez. Yes. It's, it's no one else but Jose Fernandez. He uh, he loves baseball. Oh. He has fun. He is everything anyone, any of us could ever want to see. I can't He's, believe you picked the same person. There of course seven, you can. There are 700 people in baseball. How did we pick the same person? Of course we did. So this is a guy <laughs> who literally watched what his grandma drowned yeah. or saved his grandma uh, while coming over from Cuba trying to make a better life for himself. Talk about a person that lives every day to the fullest like all of yeah. us wish we could. Yeah. I mean, granted, the money's there for him where it's not for us, but it's not about the money for him. It's about the life and you know, the fact that he's not in an impressive uh, dictatorship anymore. He's just so happy to be playing baseball. He encompasses everything that is good about baseball. It's so fun to see. And, I mean, it, it's it got to be Jose Fernandez. And uh, just to let you have a little bit more on Jose Fernandez, because I'm sure you're going to, you know, say very wise things. Uh, also, absolutely adore watching uh carlos correa oh yeah that's a good one too in uh in houston dude is mashing yeah he is crushing the ball he is hitting the cover off the ball this guy is like five eight yeah he is can't can't stop won't stop though he is amazing so another uh, yeah a colleague of his as well uh jose altuve jose altuve which continue who continues to do the same kind of breaking tradition with baseball with being who's baby ichiro yeah yeah he's he like he can't stop making contact and just a little guy who's who's good and is hitting for some power now which is hilarious and so it's cool but uh just the the last thing i'll say about jose fernandez watching him pitch you would not know that he was on a major league mound. He jokes around with opposition. He'll like jokingly jaw with other players who are willing to do the same thing. Just what he pitched against the Mat- the Nats the other day. He was I don't remember who it was, but someone like someone hit him and he turned around. He kind of like laughed and was like, "Whatever." Oh, yeah. Like he gets taken yard. He will obs- he will he will admire. Yeah, he, an, a as long as he work. turns around, he's like, "Oh, it's a nice hit." Like <laughs> it's great. Hit that you hit that a good way. Oh, He's God. like, I'm not going to throw you that one again. Like, they'll joke. He'll joke. I can't believe you picked the same damn person. Of course you can. I cannot believe you picked the same person. Of course person. you can. Oh, my God. That's insane. We totally didn't plan that ahead of time. No. The question came in during the show. I can't, I can't believe it. I love watching Felix Hernandez. 
Yeah, it's just he's which, kind of fading, uh, I think. talked about this on last week's Nats GM podcast, of which I was a guest. Yes, you were. Um, I'm sorry, the guest. Uh, Felix Hernandez is, like, still 32-33. Like, know. how insane is that? He's been around forever. He's been around forever! Yeah. Yeah, but I, I love a player that stays where they are. Um, the Mariners haven't won anything ever. Ever. Yeah. Since he's been around. They haven't won anything. Yeah. But he stayed there long term. And there's something that can be respected about that. For sure. So, love Felix Hernandez. Love how much the city loves him. Uh, I remember when he signed his contract extension, uh, there was a video that went viral um, of him walking through the halls of, you know, just random stadium, you know. No one that you'd ever heard of, no one whose name you know, and like he walked out of the elevator to a standing ovation. Oh yeah, that was massive cool. applause. That was cool. And it's it's it, like I said, no one you've ever heard of, no one that would have an impact on your daily life, but it's people he sees every day, and they love him. And I mean, he saw the ovation from these, you know, nine to fivers or whatever, and he just he. He got emotional, right, by the support he has, and that's the kind of thing. That's that's what I look for in a baseball player, you know, someone that does it for other people, does it for the fans, does it for the enjoyment. I, um, you saw a great video last night. Um, Wilson Ramos, who sometimes has trouble holding onto his bat, threw a bat into the crowd. Oh yeah, Expos fan got it. Security came because Wilson Ramos wants his bat because he needs to, you know, hit the ball. You, you just said uh, Expos fan. Just want to it was. Was it really? Yeah. I did not know that. I didn't yep. see that. Yep. It was an Expos fan. It was a guy in Expos gear. That's Expos pretty cool. Expos jersey. Yeah, it was awesome. Um, and uh, without missing a beat, Bryce Harper gave one of his bats yeah. to this fan, to this kid. Yeah. Uh, and then today there was a vine of Scherzer. Max Scherzer. Yeah. Uh, playing catch with a Mets fan in the stands. Just in the outfield. He was just throwing yeah. it to, two levels up to a, and just playing a casual game of catch with this kid. Yeah, it's those kind of things that you want to see. Those kind of things uh, will make me adore you as a baseball player. I mean, those are, those are the things Jose Fernandez would do. Those are the things that Felix Hernandez would do. You know, yeah. uh, make baseball fun again. It's awesome. It's a great mantra, and it's awesome to see a lot of players kind of taking that candle, taking that torch and running with it a little bit. No doubt. Well, we went so long. I I'm okay with it. I am too, but let's wrap up. Okay. Uh, so that's it for episode 120, 120 of that's talk on the go. Thank you guys for listening. If you're listening live, we'll stay on and, and, uh, and chat for a few more minutes with you. Otherwise, uh, thank you all for listening. listening to Nats Talk on the Go. For more information, check us out at natstalkonthego.com. To become a supporting member of the podcast, click on the special ops link at the top of the page or head right to natstalkonthego.com slash special ops. You can contact the guys at Nats Talk on the Go on Twitter or send them an email at podcast at natstalkonthego.com. If you like what you heard, take a minute to review the podcast on iTunes and help us spread the word. See you next time. Let's go Nats!